Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farrand, owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hello. This time we're joined by Benny Broughton from uh, Folket Bota for Norden Winnen. Um, and also, you know, one of the masterminds behind the bloody ritual at the Midgardsblod Festival. Welcome to the show, Benny. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's yeah, great thank, to have you here. <laughs> yeah, thank you for thank you for joining us. And and as I said before the show, I'm embarrassed to admit that I only today realized that you are brothers with Shell. <laughs> so obviously you have the same surname. I should have maybe conned on sooner. You look quite <laughs> similar. You sound pretty much the same. But for some reason, I just did not tweak <laughs> that you and Shell were brothers. <laughs> I, uh, it's not your task to uh, investigate my uh, family and relations, maybe. <laughs> I, I guess not, but it is not a hard link to make, I don't think. <laughs> I shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you said before that there's three of you. Um, are you all musically minded? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, cool. um, Squalder, the band that uh, both Kjell and Gustav and I and Maria from Heilung and that we had before folk and this uh, Turegil or older brother was also sometimes playing with us cool is he, is he, is he retired now nah he's not retired but uh, his life has for, for the last few years taken him on on, uh, on other paths mm. so yeah life does that yeah it, it's pretty cool though a family of scouts I like that yeah <laughs> I played with my older brother for many uh, many years in yeah. different uh, settings. That's good. Do you ever did the three of you ever just get chance to jam and just get together and and, and play at all? Nah, we hardly see each other. So oh. we're, I'm living in uh, Telemark now, and uh, Kjell is living somewhere outside of Bergen, and uh, Toregel is living. Um, in a place called Drebak. So for me to go there by car would take me, I don't know, four and a half, five hours maybe. Okay. For Shell, it would be, I guess, eight, nine hours to get to his place. So <laughs> that that's what we call a short trip in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. That's I feel like that's insane that people just drive that regularly in in the USA. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like three, three, four hours. That's like, yeah. Like Jackie and I did that when we went from Seattle to Portland to see Heilung a second time. So that was like a three-hour drive. Mm-hmm. Um, right after I had gotten my arm tattooed, so I was sitting there with a bloody arm in the car. <laughs> uh, you gotta mention you gotta mention this bloody tattoo again. Oh well, I was just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, jo- I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, then yeah, so let's let's start with um, the ritual at Midgard's Ball because it was the, it was my first time ever being there, my first time seeing what you do as, as the ritual, and I didn't really know what to expect. Um, how long have you been doing doing the ritual? Oh, we've been doing it. Uh, when did we start it at Midgard's Ball? I think maybe maybe I think it's been from the second year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so very early on. I, I, I don't know if I'm correct about this, but I, in my experience, uh, the reason it came to be the ritual was that uh, uh, we were opening uh, the first Midgarsblot with the uh, Folke 
when they opened the the gate and let people in and we were directly on there and the first year we were we were playing three times a day and all acoustic mm-hmm. um, and then uh, as we were starting the the, the first gig <laughs> if you like uh, I was saying to Gustav Gustav the directions so then we blew the horns in the different directions and then we went on with our, our stuff and uh, yeah. I think maybe that's what triggered it or made Runa ask if we could do it mm-hmm. hmm. cool and, uh, so can we let's for, for obviously a lot of people that listen to this will have been to Megas Blood, but there'll be a, a lot more who haven't had the, the chance to go. So can we quickly run through what the ritual is, kind of what happens so people can get an idea of, of that, I guess? Yeah. Uh, I think it's, first of all, I think it's a, it's a great chance, really, to open a, open a festival, a music festival, because, I mean, there's a lot at Midgarsblot that doesn't really directly have to do with music. I think that's one of the fantastic things about this festival. That is, I would say, it's about life. And mm-hmm. and I think to, to have the chance of opening that in a spiritual setting, if you like, I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I grew up with what was in the 80s was metal, you know, I guess today it would be considered maximum hard rock. <laughs> but um, I know that in, in, in the rock community then, so to, to speak, there is a lot of spiritual searching. Mm-hmm. You know, and to then be able to, I guess you can say we host it, yeah? Uh, a spiritual start of the whole thing. I think it, it's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have always said that uh, uh, it's not a Norse blot. Yeah, and we we don't follow any rules from anything. We had criticism after I think it was the first or second year. There was somebody from England or at least somewhere in the UK, uh, and there was some comments on social media or something that uh, we were not doing it right. <laughs> and, that, and that's the problem with this whole community at times that everybody says that everybody's doing it wrong and nobody can ever agree on what's right because nobody knows what's right <laughs> well no it's a, that's you know that's a really interesting uh discussion because you know like so the way that i remember how this bloat goes right you have a situation where you have like you have statues of the Nordic gods, you have a bowl with blood in it. And I don't know if it's fake blood. I haven't tasted it, but but it looks like blood. And and people are using it to to, to like you know smear it on the, the statues, smear it on themselves, and a lot of other things. And, and you know, we we that that at least that part we have described in the sagas. So it's mm-hmm. you know it's greatly inspired by uh, the literature that we have available. Now, the funny thing about these um, these texts that we have that describe these bloody blood rituals is that they've actually been criticized by a lot of uh, scholars uh, for probably just mimicking 
uh, descriptions of um, of Jewish rituals. Um, so so when somebody comes and says, "Hey, you're not doing it right according to the to the texts," they might actually be the ones who don't understand the texts. So. Like, you, you mean, never really know. Shock, shock that someone in 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 this kind of community is wrong or misinformed about something, but wants to then tell other people what to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking uh, we're talking about a time where most people were uh, what you call it illiterate. They couldn't mm-hmm. read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how strong rules can you have? Mm-hmm. They didn't have a manual. I mm-hmm. mean. You, you have to go by intention, mm-hmm. you know, and do it as good as you can from your intention. Yeah. Somebody once said that uh, making plans is a good way of making the gods laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I guess you- I guess they would be different every time and also geographically where you are in the world and also what time period you're in. It would be completely different. And yeah. that's what I was wondering, Benny. Is, is yours different every time? Or do you do the same thing each year? The frame is is the same, but I mean, we don't plan it. Mm-hmm. You know, we go there and uh, usually, uh, I mean, we always have an introduction. And uh, this year it was very short because there was a lot of people and we have a limited time for it because mm-hmm. the first band goes on. So this year we had two hours. So mm-hmm. therefore it was... Uh, a friend of ours uh, who was writing on social media that Midgash Blut has invented speed bluting. I love it. So, <laughs> you know, we, we had to kind of rush it to make everybody come in. And when mm-hmm. when we had the the curfew, to call it that, there was a, a few people left that hadn't been in the circle yet. And uh, there was, I think it was a woman, I, I don't remember. Somebody came to me and said, ah, oh, yeah, you leave the last 15 people. And I said, no, please go in. But mm-hmm. we have we have to cut it now. You know, mm-hmm. so so they got to go in and, and do and do their thing as well. But usually it's been a little bit longer introduction because we usually make it very clear. This time it was, I think, published on social media and this before. But we usually make it very clear that we don't care where you're from, social status. Uh, religious beliefs, if you have any, we don't care about this stuff. We don't care if you go into the circle because you want as much blood in your face as possible and a cool selfie to share with your friends after. If that's what you want to do, well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But there is also people going in there that is doing it. You know, it means a whole lot for people. Something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so, but I will get back to that. But usually we have an introduction where we say say this kind of stuff. Uh, and the only thing we're asking for, or almost demanding, is that I usually say as long as it's for the good. Mm-hmm. As long as whatever you do, you do it with good intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want people to come in there and wish somebody bad. Mm. No. It's all about respect, I think, as well. It's- yeah. You don't have to always believe in where you go. Like I, I enjoy going to cathedrals. You know, if I'm on holiday and I, I'm, I'm not Christian. I'm far from it, but I enjoy going in. And I always treat it with respect, and I am in awe of what's created. I don't agree with everything, but you have that respect, and that's all that you can ask for, I guess. Yeah, 
So um, that that is usually the start, and then um, uh, we yeah we blow the horns in the different directions, and usually Gustav is uh, calling some names. You know, we usually invite uh, since this is in a kind of Norse setting. It's a Viking metal festival. We are calling uh, or inviting Odin, Thor, Freya, uh, and Loki, and or Freya and Frey. But mm-hmm. those are usually the only names that we use. Mm. And then <laughs> that's there's, there's probably going to be somebody out there who's getting his panties in the bunch right now over you calling on Loki. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what's this story about the the feast under the water where Loki wasn't invited? That wasn't a good idea, was it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking he should be allowed to come as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He 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 curses the gods in the end and says, "May your asses burn." So uh, <laughs> that'll if, that'll tell you. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't invite him, he's going to turn up anyway. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, but I'm thinking, why not invite them? You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, you can only like, so again. So to, to, for people who haven't been, you you have the balls of blood, and then there the the branches that are you. So it's not smearing onto the to the. Um, I guess I don't know. Is idols the right word? What would be the correct the statues, the god statues? Um, yeah. So you, it's not smearing on them with kind of bare hand. It's you have these. These branches that are dipped into the blood, and then you use them to kind of strike the statues, um, and then I guess you can put a little bit on your face if, if you choose to. If not, if you're in the crowd, maybe you get splattered by people swinging the, the branches, um, a bit of collateral damage. So, so what is there a significance to the to the branches? I think when we were there, Mateus, you mentioned something. Yeah, I mean, I, I can just give a, a brief rundown of that, like, uh, standard description of what blot is in, in the saga literature. So we have a couple of sagas that that describe ritual acts in in context of temples and especially in context of Yul, um, the, the midwinter feast. Um, we have Erbikya saga. It gives us some details on on the rituals that take place in a temple dedicated to Thor near Helgafell in Iceland. And then we have the saga, saga of Haakon the Good, where he that he's a Norwegian king and, and he's trying to rein in the uh the the um problematic earls who are reigning over the the uh uh the, the uh, area near um, uh, Trondheim today and uh, he goes to this uh, feast he's a Christian according to the story that that's probably not actually true he was probably he was baptized but he was probably actually a uh, fallen because as soon as he came back to Norway from England he was like eh never mind mm-hmm. but Snurri when he's writing this, the, the Heimskringla and he uh, uh, he he wants to represent sort of like the the history um, after uh, Harold Finehair as sort of like a single dynasty and they're all just like more or less Christian like that's how he likes to portray it so the situation is that Haukon he goes to um, to visit in Mera and he uh, he's then forced to participate 
in this blot ritual where they're sacrificing animals. And the description goes that, that they take the blood from the animals and collect it in these chloipotli, is what they're called. So that, that means blood bowls. And then they have these chloitainar, blood um, uh, twigs, that they, uh, that they dip in the blood. And then they uh, sprinkle the blood on the statues in the temple and the walls on everybody there and so on. So that's sort of like that. That's very much on point with the description. What happens at Midgas float, I would say. And I think, as I mentioned before, there are scholars that have essentially said, well, actually, this very much looks like a, 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 that, that the saga writers, they were familiar with uh, certain rituals that take place uh, in Judaism, where you, you, you sprinkle, um, uh, I think it's uh, ochre water on, on the Torah and, and, and the altar and such. So they, these scholars, they said, well, actually, these saga writers probably didn't know anything about what took place in the Viking age. So they're just basically using uh, Jewish rituals to furnish sort of like their descriptions. And that's a possibility, but I'd also say that it's very likely that, that, that this is close to what historically has happened in temple buildings. Like there's some, locations where we have um you know uh, the archaeology of these uh, central sites that we find around in scandinavia that you could call temples quite often they sh they show evidence of a lot of blood sacrifices and it makes perfect sense because that's usually what has been happening prior to the introduction of christianity go back to ancient rome or greece and you see the same thing so um so so i mean you can easily uh, assume, I would say that um, that at least the core of these descriptions is is mm. likely to be accurate. So, so yeah, so uh, so that's uh, that's how those rituals go, and uh, and then in you know in modern times we we interpret that in in the ways that uh, makes most sense to us. It's also it's not uh, it's Gustav every year making these twigs or what you call them. And it's not random. He doesn't go out in the forest and just grab a few bushes, you know. Mm -hmm. Seven, I believe, seven or nine, but I believe it's seven different kind of trees. Mm. And it's the same every year. So uh, usually when we prepare for the blot, uh, this year it was him and Runahild going out to collect the branches and make the twigs. And I'm doing the practicalities on the ceremony place, you know. Mm -hmm. And get the fire pan, get the wood yeah. and all this stuff. So I cannot say what kind of branches it is because I honestly don't know. Mm -hmm. I've been told it, but I don't remember all of them. <laughs> I wouldn't remember seven either. No. So, <laughs> like, God, forbid if it's, God forbid if it's nine, fucking no chance. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I was told it was nine, um, which makes a lot of sense with you know the, the prevalence of the number nine in the mythology. No, but, but anyways, that's... You know, then we've started it and this, whatever you do, the good intention thing. And we, when we have more time, we've said, you know, if you want to honor your ancestors, your uh, some relative, uh, if you want to call for some deities or whatever, you do whatever you want. If you want your selfie, fine, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, but we open it and... Do a little thing and then we start drumming and 
usually yeah. there's a lot of people joining in on that. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's kind of funny because it's uh, it's become, I mean, apart from us, uh, there's two, three more people that uh, are kind of in it now that yeah. just came. But they are there every year now, drumming. Okay. They snuck in. Yeah. But it's, it's nice, you know, we're standing there for, you know, almost two hours. So it's good yeah, to have yeah. help, you know. Absolutely, I bet. So what do you think the significance to blood is? Because um, I, guess, I guess today would be, most people would think it's abhorrent to for people to be smearing blood on statues and throwing it on it and putting it on their face. At least people outside of, like, this community, the, the average Joe. Yeah, but you I mean, asking me? Both, you can both answer. I would like to both answer times. that one. I mean, yeah. you also, but yes, of course. But I, I'm, I'm thinking, well, people, there, there's always going to be somebody criticizing what you do, whatever you do, you know? And if, if you follow the critics from uh, one side and you do it the way they want, somebody's going to be on the other side and criticize it because you don't do it the way you did it. So mm-hmm. somebody's always going to have something to complain about. So I don't think we can care about that. We mm-hmm. try to make it as open as possible, uh, the whole thing. And um, I've had people that consider themselves atheists say that they feel welcome and included also. Mm-hmm. So then I guess we kind of succeed in the having it open. Because to me, before I get into the blood, uh, uh, to me, it's, you know, it doesn't matter if you want to go to the top of the mountain. It doesn't matter what path you take. The only path that will not take you there is the one going around in the bottom. Mm-hmm. So what, whatever it takes, if, if this can, you know, and, and this is what I'm hoping, and I know for some people this is happening, if, if we can contribute to, you know, make it easier maybe then for, for yourself to open some kind of spiritual space inside yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great. And then yeah. to the blood, of course, uh, Matthias, it's not fake blood. This, <laughs> year, <laughs> this year it was even horse blood. Oh, oh nice. even better. Well, yeah. I think that's quite good uh, with the sagas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Usually it's been pig, pig's blood because that has been what we've managed to get. But this year somebody said, hey, why do you use that? I can get your horse blood. And we all went, oh, that's cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so this year it was horse blood. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking we don't need that. You know, we don't need the statues. We don't need any of this because mm-hmm. it's all within. That's the whole point. Everything yeah. is within. But if the blood is helping you to get into a setting where you can open up these things, then I'm thinking the blood is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, I think the blood was because you were sacrificing something that was dear to you. You were sacrificing one or more of your animals. You, you gave something that had you know, great value and importance in your life, and you gave this in the ritual. I think mm-hmm. that's where the blood came from. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And, okay, we get the blood from some butcher, so the you know this part is not there. But I'm thinking, as I said, if it helps people get into the setting, 
you know, to get into this kind of frame inside themselves. I think it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. I'm also doing uh, you know, sound journeys and uh, some different kinds of music healing things. And I remember some years ago, a friend of mine, we had some sessions and um, I was usually saying some stuff out loud in the beginning, you know, like a little bit opening the bloat, you know, the directions and all this. And then one time I was, I wasn't, you know, fully energized and all this. So I did it inside myself. You know, I did it quiet because I was feeling a little shy. And then I asked my friend after how that was. And he said, for him, it was better when I said it loud because it helped him to get into the, into the atmosphere, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the blood, it works in the same way. Yeah. And, yeah, that, I mean, and that, that's, that's what we humans do, right? We find um, ob- objects and, and substances and actions that, that can bring us into that spiritual space. And then, um, then that is, is part of, of, of creating the whole experience, right? Yeah. So it makes perfect sense. Um, if we look at the mythology, if we, if we dare to compare uh, what Snorri Sturluson wrote uh, in, in, in his mythology on, on uh, uh, then, then we, we can also see, uh, you know, we can, we can conclude that blood has a deep significance um, because when, when uh, uh, the three Borsinir, uh, Odin, Vili, and Vie, they, uh, they kill Ymir. Um, at least according to Snorri Sturluson, right? It, essentially what is happening is that like, Emir's blood spills out and Snorri tells us that it drowns all the Hrimthusar. And um, a lot of this, his version of this uh, creation story has, has been like, in, 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 has, it has like a, 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 a Christian interpretation to it. But um, you could actually consider that that this explanation of the blood drowning the Hrimthusar uh, and thereby making the world inhabitable by humans uh, um, is, is a, an act that creates uh, fertility, that makes the world fertile and, and, uh, and the place where we can live. So it can mirror that process of, of um, sacrificing an animal and using its blood in, in all of these different uh, contexts of like, uh, smearing it on things that need to, to get that um, life-giving um, uh, power. And mm-hmm. um, there, is, like, there is a general tendency, both in, in skaldic poetry and also in the mythology in general, to, uh, to associate water with blood, like the water of the world, because it comes from, from Emir. So, so it all really comes together, sort of as a as a perfect um, a little um, way of perceiving the world as, um, as 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 something that is permeated by 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 Emia's blood that is life giving, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, if we um, if we do interpret the mythology in context of, of what we otherwise see archaeologically. I think it's, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Could it be yeah. that, we, that they thought maybe that the blood 
is maybe quite literally some sort of life itself, just in the sense that I'm trying to go back to a, a time where you don't have the understanding of modern science and biology, anatomy, and and how things work. And you, when you sacrifice something, it's very visual, the blood leaving the body. It's something mm-hmm. kind of leaving this thing that was once alive and it's now dead. And, and it's the blood that you kind of really see that kind of is is gone. It leaves the body. It's it, So could it be, could that be it? Yeah. Um, and also you should consider it as maybe like the seat of, of spirit as well. Um, like I've, I've ranted about this before, um, that I've like done this, um, long, like basically compiled a list of all, uh, deities, supernatural beings, whatever you want to call them that, that we can attach to the Northwestern European area through, uh, uh, Snodestodensons Edda, um, but also, you know, uh, votive stones from the Rhineland area. And like in that, you know, thousand years from the year zero up until the end of the Viking age, when, when Christianity has taken over. And it's quite fascinating, actually, to see that there are so many water spirits, so many, so many beings that, uh, these peoples are attaching to water itself so they they definitely had an idea that water and and liquids of various kinds um contain uh spirit right Mm -hmm. and i would say that that i'm sure that they thought of the thought that way about blood as well that that is where you find the spirit of of a person or the spirit of an animal and so on and so again if we go back to all of these metaphors and analogies that that basically uh, combine water and blood in 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 um in the world and in the body as 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 that thing that has spirit it may again makes perfect sense actually water yeah water has memory water has memory right that's also what we see in right because you know you have all the water that goes up through circulates through Yggdrasil and then comes into the well. And the well is where you ha- find history, right? Odin has to go to Sökvabek, the, 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 this, this hall underneath the water, to talk with uh, Sauga about, you know, all the, the numinous knowledge that's present out there in the world. So, yeah. They've done experiments... Uh... I mean, I, I cannot confirm them. I can only say what I've heard about these experiments. I'm not a scientist and I wasn't there. But they say that they've done... Well, I'm taking them as facts, no matter what you say. So, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, they, they've done experiments where they put different flowers into water. And they say that when they... I don't know how they do that, but they I guess they use some kind of a microscope or something. Uh, and they take the flowers out of the water and then they see the prints in the water Oh, the kind of flower that was in there so in this spot you had a rose well you could see the rose rose in the water after you took it out and here you had a i don't know tulip or whatever just to say some other flower and you had the print in the water molecules mm-hmm. so water carries memory wow that's really interesting it is really like interesting it. yeah so he might have made it up he did see <laughs> it was a disclaimer at the start <laughs> <laughs> I could have made that up, but I'm still going to believe it. I'm going to tell everybody that now. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't make it up at least, you know. No, I, be- <laughs> I, I mean, after this, Google it and check it out. No, I, be- I believe you. I don't need to. So <laughs> it's interesting, you know. So, Absolutely, yeah. But then back, back to the bloat, since since you have your meeting, uh, Matthias, I think we could sit here for many hours. <laughs> we could, we could, and we, we could just talk about everything, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> I, think yeah. Done, I think we've done like 35 minutes already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should talk about something else as well. But uh, being there and doing the drumming, because now we've gone through the introduction and how, you know, then... It just flows, you know, people come in and they do their thing. Some people shout loud and, you know, spill a lot of blood around and some people do it more quiet. But for us being in there, I can speak for myself, but I also know, of course, that this is for many of the others that are in there doing the drumming and this. Because you feel sometimes and you see sometimes that, whoa, now it is really deep. You know, this really means something. There are moments where uh, they were there. I think they're French, a family that has been there several times. Uh, now they went in as a family with the, the mother and father and two children, I believe. Um, but I remember from 2019, I remember then the father and uh, one of the children, a son, came in together. A, a little kid, you know, I don't know, five years old, maybe, or something like that. Um, and they went in and they had their moment. The dad was sitting down next to the child and they approached the statue and they did their thing. And this is so incredibly beautiful. Mm-hmm. I know that people people that have come come there from, uh, you know, one now is a brother, but uh, he came from uh, Colorado to Midgarsplot and you know, he had a new start in life. He was struggling at the time, seeing purpose. You know, mm. and he mm. came there and he took part in the in the ceremony. He had his moment. I still remember he came in there. I felt it in my whole being, like, "Whoa, mm. now we we need to help this guy." You know, so wow. started pumping more and started throat singing just to you know back him up. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, whoa, this really means something. And yes. he came up after and, and, you know, he had a restart of his life. Mm-hmm. You know, this is wow. very beautiful. And there are many stories. There are some stories that uh, I've chosen now not to share because, you know, <laughs> but uh, there are some, some things that have happened in these uh, ceremonies that are really, really, really strong. Mm-hmm. It means a, a lot for some people. And, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's wonderful. I'm not saying anything against those people that, you know, some people, maybe they see it as a show and they want to take part in the show. And, I'm, you know, that is great. I'm not criticizing that at mm-hmm. all. But it, it is so strong, you know. When you're standing mm-hmm. there and, and, and you feel it, that, wow, now some, something that is real, really deep is happening. Mm-hmm. That makes it worth yeah. two hours of drumming, you know? It must be special that you, that you get to share that moment with them as well. Yeah. And that we kind of get to facilitate this, mm-hmm. you know? 
Yeah. This is wonderful. Yeah. That, and I'm thinking if there was one, and I know there are more than one, you know, mm-hmm. by now there are quite a few every year that has really, really strong, deep moments. Uh, but if there was one every year, it would be worth drumming for two hours, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. One, you know, speaking to this, um, you know, diversity of, of thought and, and attitude, essentially, right? Like this is also what we historically have seen in in, in pre-Christian rituals and in ancient Rome and in, in, in Greece. Uh, we see it today in in India as well. Like there are, there are people who very much believe in the gods, and and to them it's a very strong uh, uh, ritual and religious experience. And to others uh, who are more atheistic in their approach or skeptical, whatever you want to call it, right? They, they, they have another experience, some, some care to join, some don't, and, and so on and so forth. And that's essentially the, the diversity of, of relating to ritual and, and, and to these ideas that we have as humans, that there are, you know, beings outside of us that we can communicate with and so yeah it makes that makes perfect sense that 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 we also have that diversity present that meet god's voice I, I think this is wonderful and i mm-hmm. think we should and, and and that's the thing about this whole viking fashion thing you know mm-hmm. that's happening now uh, because it, I, I think it's important that we don't we don't build it on dogmas mm-hmm if we come in here and we make a strict set of rules, well, what's the point then? Mm-hmm. No, it, I, I think, okay, if uh, I believe I believe in one, yeah? yeah whether, mm-hmm. whether you call it this or that great spirit or whatever, I think we are all one. So Odin, you, uh, you know, we are all a part of the same energy or frequency or whatever you want to call it. This is how I, at the present stage, mm-hmm. um, see things. And, and what if, when everything was one, there is nothing to experience, is there? So what if creation was simply that this one great spirit or whatever name or title you want to use, started creation in order to experience itself mm. that, that we are all a part of the one experiencing itself which means that every experience is as important as every other experience because it's just experience to me when i came to this understanding mm-hmm. or whatever you can say it's uh, it's a great relief in a way, because in one way it makes everything less important, but at the same time it makes everything more important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does, yeah. does it make sense? Well, it, mm-hmm. yes. Um, well, you know, I guess what comes with that is also sort of a a um, I, for lack of a better word, mandate, right? Uh, to be part of that experience, and that's that's what I think. Um, you know, when you say it makes it less important, but also more important, right? Like I, I think that's that's what hints at 
the you know the 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 higher value of 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 participating in in the experience of of existence if that makes sense no it's, uh, takes away the uh, so uh, help me translate Matthias selhöjtidlighet oh yeah uh, yeah that's a how how do we um, uh, yeah self inflatedness or something like that you know it's ego the inflatedness of the ego right yeah you know yeah. okay so I didn't do this perfect but it doesn't matter you know mm-hmm. I I gave it my best. I think this is maybe the most important we can do is whatever we do. And I'm I'm thinking for me there is a golden rule. You try not to hurt anybody, yeah. Yeah, humility is somewhere Kelly Tannenbaum. Humility mm-hmm. is an important thing, I, I think. But uh, as long as long as we do what we can not to hurt anybody, and we do things with a pure intention. Yeah. I think think we all need to remember that sometimes and not get so frustrated. It goes back to when we had Cathy Ran on the other week, we we kind of went over this as well. It's just be nice to each other. Just be be nice. And and just take a moment to to understand you don't know what somebody else is doing. And I do it. Sometimes I get frustrated and I'm like, fuck it, swearing at myself or I can feel myself getting hit up. And it's just like, Oh, it's, it's over the smallest things. It's like the silliest thing that sometimes you just need to to breathe and recenter yourself and think, well, you know, maybe that person has had a really, really shitty day. Maybe something terrible has happened to them today and you don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking, uh, I, I love to listen to the birds. Yeah? Yeah. And very often they they tell me things that at the moment is very important. And for example... If I'm really frustrated, because of course I am as well, you know, I'm totally pissed off at myself sometimes, you know, uh, and and then I, I sit, I live in a beautiful place in the countryside, yeah, I sit outside and then suddenly I'm, I'm looking at the bird and it flies to the top branch, the top part of a branch in the tree and it looks around and it's whistling its beautiful song and it's telling me like, hey, relax, man. You know, it's not that important. You know, go to the go to the top of the tree. You know, mm-hmm. for me, maybe it sounds like mumbo jumbo, but to no, me, no. this is important. You know, it's helping me. No, it sounds. It, yeah, I talk to birds too. Daniel was surprised to hear that I talk to squirrels too. He wants to know how they sound. <laughs> I mean, back to the one. You know, the oneness. Mm-hmm. We are all a part of the same in my understanding of things. So I don't have any more right or reason to be here than any other creature. Mm-hmm. I agree. No. I listen yeah, to but that's- things. You know, sometimes w- when I've been struggling in my experience of, of this life, trees have been helping me out. Stones. You know, and literally mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been given messages, you know. Really helpful mm-hmm. things at the time, and then okay, if you have, if you're an atheist or I don't know whatever, uh, maybe you want to say ah blah blah blah, it's bullshit. But then again, it doesn't matter if it's bullshit as long as it's helping me. And my experience mm-hmm. then is that I'm getting help from the tree. 
Mm-hmm. If it's real to you, then it's real. Yeah, it's it's, it's that simple. I, you know, we've we've lost so much connection to this. You know, I I've put a bunch of flowers, a bunch of plants in here, and it just lifts things. It just makes you feel better. And for whatever, whether it's psychosomatic or there's something genuinely tangible there, it's just an amazing thing. And you know, it's no surprise that I've been through a tough time lately, and I've just got. Rocco, the little puppy, and you know, having him around and having that the little friend that he doesn't, you know, I can speak to him. He doesn't have to talk back to me, um, but he just sits there and looks at me and twists his head and listens. And we have this this bond, and we communicate in a different way. But I mean, he's helped me as much as my friends have, my family has, as much as Alyssa has. Like he's really helped me through a tough time. Just by being there and being this little bundle of love and you don't have to get, he doesn't have to talk back to me. He doesn't have to do anything. He just has to look at me with those big dumb eyes and he just makes the day better. But it's also, you know, if, if we approach the world with this, uh, this notion that you're expressing Benny, that, uh, that, uh, you know, you can either see it as like, uh, everything in the world is part of the same spirit or you can see it as a well everything in the world has a spirit that is like mine right then then it's also then there's also essentially um it, you know a reason to create relations and relationships to all the things around you right there's a reason to observe birds and talk to them and understand what it is that they're doing and reflect that back into yourself um, as for instance it's something that can be helpful right yeah. that's that's one of the, the 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 things that we seem to have lost a lot here in the, the modern world right that, that that there's not a lot of people who think like that and you know a lot of people will probably think that we sound pretty damn crazy um, at, when we're talking about it um, but, uh, you know, as, as somebody who, who teaches about uh, mythologies and folklore from the general Nordic realm and also like the circumpolar area, um, I, I, for instance, I teach a course on Arctic culture and society where we, we learn about a lot of indigenous populations in the Arctic. And um, one of the things I highlight to my students over and over again is uh, is that uh, they should go talk to the squirrels out there in the university park, um, because uh, it's 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 quite fascinating if you if you look at if you look at the mythology uh, we have Yggdrasil right and at the bottom of Yggdrasil we have the 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 the, the snake um, I'd like to think of Nidhogg more as a snake than a dragon because it is an orm. Um, and we have all these other snakes there in the in the roots. And then at the top, we have an eagle with a hawk sitting on top of it, right? And we have a squirrel that runs up back and forth, up and down uh, the tree trunk to uh, deliver messages between the eagle and the snake. And yeah. you can find that you can find exactly that that image right there in what is otherwise sort of like a green desert, because it's like these you know quads that are like nicely cut grass and you know they're full of glyphosate i'm sure and they they they, they use like leaf blowers with like that use gasoline to blow leaves away and all that stuff you can still find that beautiful uh, image right there because we have snakes there too we have uh, little garden snakes that 
that that live in the grass. We have the squirrels that go up and down all the time, and there are birds that sit in the top of the tree. So, like literally, you you can find the, the sort of like the emblematic uh, <laughs> old Norse cosmos in on a lawn <laughs> right down there in, in Boulder. <laughs> Isn't there a little trick trickster aspect also to Ratatosk? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. and, and doesn't this, it, it struck me now, doesn't this symbolize that, yeah, you can have the messenger, but when all comes down to it, you need to go inside and trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe this is a part of this, uh, the trickster in, uh, in Ratatosk running up and down with the messages, but not necessarily all the time giving the, you know, accurate message. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and I think actually the 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 way that it's phrased in the mythology is that he's he's delivering insults, right? So that that tells you everything about actually more about the relationship between the snake and the the eagle, right? They're taking whatever he's delivering as insults. But we don't actually know if, if it's insults. It's 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 within them and their interpretation of whatever is being said. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great. That was a. I was looking forward to this conversation, and so far I'm enjoying it very much. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Is there, is there any topic that you want to touch on? I know we're, we're just shy of a, an hour now, and I know you, you had some topics. We've got your music to discuss. I know you had a whole list of things. Yeah. I mean, you are, you're welcome back anytime, so we can definitely book you in again uh, no, if we don't get, get to everything. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I would like to talk about, uh, of course, uh, about uh, the music. Uh, yes, absolutely. But, uh, uh, I, w- I think also maybe an important theme, but this we could speak about for three hours, of course, is this fashion, you know, because mm-hmm. now, I mean, when we, we started this, there was this so-called genre of music. There was nothing. You know, you had Harald Foss, um, fantastic, um, and uh, a couple of other things, but there, there wasn't anything. You know, there wasn't really a scene uh, or anything. And now over the last few years, it's exploded into some kind of enormous fashion. And you have all the record labels wanting a new Vardruma or... Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, in a couple of years' time, you're, you're going to be able to uh, uh, to buy plastic antlers at uh, the H&M or Walmart, you know? <laughs> so and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking there's a, there's a great thing about this because, and what has always fascinated me since I joined in this, uh, this uh, I've been doing the Viking market since, yeah, on a regular basis every year since 2002. Uh, my first meeting with uh, this, I forgot when I was talking to Jameson the other day. Uh, mm-hmm. My first meeting with the uh, with this was back in '95. Some people were organizing something called the uh, Vardandis uh, Heathen uh, Cultural uh, Vardandus Hedenske Kulturmönstring. The Vardandis Heathen. Well, I guess cultural, it community calling. You know, like it's like a, you you're calling people to you, right? That that's what swing means, right? Yeah. So it, it it was basically it was a music festival, 
mm-hmm. they, they, uh, it was when it was a thousand years of Christianity in uh, in Norway. So the slogan was a thousand years is more than enough. It was on T-shirt. <laughs> that, that was the first time I, I kind of met this. Um, there's another subject uh, that uh, I think what this whatever you take when you take faith and spirituality and you make it into religion then then it's already politics you know mm-hmm. then you've moved away from the spiritual aspect of it and you've made it into politics mm-hmm. because I think the teachings that they claim to promote I'm not saying they do that but what they claim to promote they're wonderful you know and there is very little I don't see a reason for conflict with anybody in there. It's mm. animistic, um, you know, uh, non-hierarchic. Uh, oh, that's a difficult word. There's no hierarchy. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I know, and all this stuff. But um, none, yeah, that was it. I was moving off now, but. Uh, when this has now, over the last few years, turned into a fashion, that was where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are certain dangers to it. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this for many years uh, already, that there is a tendency amongst some people to some... Con- I, I like to call it elitism. Is mm-hmm. that the proper English word? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if, if, if we fall into that trap, well, then we are wasting a great potential. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking th- this, and this is the reason, here it comes, uh, that I have been fascinated with this. Because for me, it, uh, going into this Viking world uh, was an option of being met on my spiritual journey, my spiritual explora- exploration in a setting that is with nature and the multiverse. Mm-hmm. So that is my entrance to this whole thing. And when it turns into fashion, there is a danger of this disappearing. Mm-hmm. And if we are not aware of this, I'm, I'm thinking we, this whole thing might turn very ugly. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, know, I know already that uh, at Midgarsblut this year, a young American guy, wonderful guy, he came to me and asked if I thought it was okay for him wanting to make uh, Nordic music or whatever, if you like. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, why not? If it Mm -hmm. speaks to you, do it. I know there's one guy sitting in Spain that uh, has some, he has a strong passion for this and he's been given a lot of, you know, not nice things on the internet because he's Spanish. So he's not supposed to be allowed to be interested in this. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that, that's just, that's ridiculous. I don't know. It's just, again, it goes back to the people we said earlier, the know-it-alls who kind of tell people what to do. It's it's those same kind of peoples who want to gatekeep and say who can and can't listen. And, and Sophie there is right. Yes, the Vikings did go to Spain. Yeah, yeah, and they they got their asses kicked, by the way. <laughs> <Heavily>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
but no, it's you know, it's 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 a really good point that you're raising here. It, it goes back also to these people who are criticizing the plot and all that stuff uh, for not being accurate, right? These 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 are people who want to establish dogmas about uh, what is essentially a living culture, right? Yeah. Um, I'm like you. I I uh, you know the the first the first time I got into uh, Viking related stuff was through you know viking markets in denmark in the like uh, mid 90s um it was a it was like a liberating atmosphere to to, to go to these uh, these camps where you could sit around a, a fire and and um and experience um social life and nature um on it on on entirely different terms right it, it opens up a space that it that is new and creative and and it's you know it's placed in a historical time period that you know uh, a lot of us uh, um, are also capable of uh, you know infusing with our own imagination in different ways for different reasons right and uh, whereas like you know doing that with the 19th century it doesn't work doing it with these uh, I don't know the the 16th century doesn't work either right but going going beyond those time periods that's when it starts working like uh, you see the same thing with medieval markets too i think like people enjoy them on the same level in the same way so to speak and um and then yeah now there's like this this like move push towards establishing um dogma establishing rules for for how this can work and it's interesting to see too that you know it's it's i would i wouldn't say that it's not it's not often that you see scandinavians trying to do that it's usually people that aren't scandinavian <laughs> who are doing it right <laughs> and, yeah mm-hmm. and that at, uh, that comes, I think, primarily from a need in these individuals to feel closer to that stuff themselves. Because, you know, if you're, for instance, you've grown up in America, you've, uh, it, you've, you've done a lot to learn a lot about uh, Scandinavian history and, and uh, the, the cultures and all that stuff, then, you know, it's, it's easier for you to establish yourself as some kind of the, the, the cool shit in, in town if you're then knocking these, these other people and saying, oh, you can't be part of this because of your ethnic heritage or the lack of knowledge or whatever it is, right? And it's all, you know, it's generally just people being dicks when they shouldn't mm-hmm. be. Yeah, right? yeah. But it's, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to insult you now because you're an academic, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Insult him. Get him. No, no but the, the point <laughs> is, un- unless, I mean, it's great to have the education, it's great to read the sources and have the knowledge about this, but unless you make it yours, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to be humble in the whole thing. It, mm-hmm. You know, it just proves that you have a good memory. You know, you've managed to memorize what somebody else wrote or told you at some point. It doesn't you know about it. Huh? Now you were falling out. Can you repeat, please? Yeah, said so if you're a good academic, you're also producing knowledge yourself, right? You also, exactly. yeah. But but that also means that you should be open for other people to, you know, have their own experiences and, you know, make it their own. Mm-hmm. I'm not criticizing having an education. 
but I'm thinking it's important that we move beyond just memorizing what somebody told us, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's we need to have acceptance for other opinions and views also. Yeah. I think we've got and, obsessed with a world of right and wrong when it used to be black and white kind of and not applying things to to yourself and how it works. And the whole gray area in between, everybody just wants to know the answer. It's either one thing or the other when usually it's not. Everybody and knows no. the answer is 42. The, the answer is 42. Well, that's also why this podcast, I, like our uh, motto is it's complicated. And as, uh, as, as some could see on my uh, Instagram stories uh, uh, yesterday, I think it was like, uh, there's a wonderful meme out uh, with me and Dan. Uh, where Dan is asking me something about the Viking Age and my response is that <laughs> all I can say is that my gut says maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. See, that, yeah. you know, that's a great example of how academics ruin the experience of the Viking Age. And that's actually the most got uh, uh, Viking market, which is, uh, I believe, the oldest. Uh, or one of the oldest Viking markets, and definitely one of the biggest. Um, it was it was so great going there in the nineties, and then over time it's just gotten more and more annoying. And now it's just a tourist a tourist trap. And one of the reasons for that is that they they have been included more and more in uh, the museum, the prehistoric museum, and its activities there. And for instance, there was. <laughs> This hilarious, uh, uh, you know, in a, in a tragic, comical sense, hilarious situation where, for instance, the archaeologists at the museum said, well, everybody who comes to this market must now uh, only use period correct materials for their tents. So that means getting like these uh, really expensive woolen tents that nobody could afford, uh, stuff like that, right? And that's that's not helpful in terms of actually making the Viking Age and all of this stuff accessible to the public, right? Because that is elitism right there. Uh, You only have preference for people who, first of all, submit to your standards of uh, period correctness and two, have the money to do it, right? so, so yeah, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a big problem that you see with, uh, and there's, there's a general problem with, with, uh, how academics at large tend to relate to people who are using their historical knowledge in their contemporary world and thereby, you know, also making it inauthentic in, uh, quotation marks, right? Um, I'd say it's not inauthentic. It's, it is actually authentic because it's cultural use and culture is authentic. Like it's, it's humans doing human things. Yeah. How, I always wonder with that, like how accurate do we know things? I assume for the most part, it's just it's particularly with cloths and clothing. Surely it's kind of just what we found. Cause I've heard things of, of reenactments and, um, group saying that you have to have so many stitches or being, you know, being as anal as that as down to like how many stitches you have to have in, in a, in a tunic or whatever. And like, surely it just depends on, on what's being found. And people are a whole range of, of different from like, I mean, from super laser to 
really particular. So you're going to get a spectrum of of what people create from shit to good. Yeah, and you know it's it's much because no, sorry. Um, sorry, yeah, no, it's I, I was just going to say that you know the amount of uh, textile material that has been found from the Viking Age is not a lot, right? Because it's not something that you know often survives a thousand years in the grave. So um, what we base our knowledge of their clothing and 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 all that. Uh, on is is a it's a small sample of 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 what we can expect has been out there right and so you know when somebody wants to you know get really anal about stitches i'm like i'm gonna have to ask well where have you find a found a full garment uh that where you can count the stitches in because that's going to be pretty difficult and and so on and so forth right so yeah that's right there is a problem How tall are you, uh, Matthias? I'm a giant, according to uh, Dan. Ask him, <laughs> if he's got, ask him if he's got his little heel on or not. No, no. <laughs> but, but I, I'm six. You're point for asking. Um, I'm, I'm six one. Uh, so that's uh, 186 centimeters. Ah, that's almost like me. I'm 196. <laughs> so okay. you're not a good example. What about you then, Daniel? How tall are you? Uh, Five ten before I get wet. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that means if there's a certain amount of stitches on the clothes, would your clothes have the stitches very close together to match the amount of stitches on mine? Oh, yeah. Or would I have a big gap between the stitches on mine <laughs> with the amount of stitches on yours? That's uh, <laughs> oh, fuck I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have thought of that before. <laughs> When I saw it, I wish I was that smart. I believe you about the memory water now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting, you know. I think it's important. But but of course, to, you don't go to, unless you have some kind of a thing with your eyes, for example. I think if you are at the Viking market and you are there as a Viking, I mean, you remove your shades in the opening hours, you know, unless you have a medical condition to need to wear them, then mm -hmm. you take them off. Mm -hmm okay, you move your plastic bags, you don't have a plastic helmet and this kind of stuff to make the experience more full. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking the material of the tent, mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, if you are working at the museum as a part of the museum exhibition, yes, I can see it. Mm -hmm. But if you go, okay, the biggest market uh, that I have been to uh, is usually the Borre market uh, in Norway or Volin. But as many years ago, I was in Volin, so it wasn't as big as it is now. But it was, for me, it was big, you know. And there's, I don't know how many tents there are there, but a few hundreds. And then I'm thinking, mm -hmm. if every tent is made of the correct kind of uh, cotton or uh, wool, or uh, not cotton probably, but wool, I think it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's cool if you can do it, and that's your thing. For me, yeah. you know, I want to, I want to to go into the spiritual side of things. I want to, you know, I'm doing this for healing, both for mm -hmm. myself and and hopefully others. You know, that's music is the tool. Healing is the aim and the goal. Yeah. 
So yeah. that's my focus. I'm thinking, it's great. Somebody's making clothes. I'm making music. If we can work together, I have clothes. You have music. We're a good yeah. team. You know? Yeah. <laughs> For, from such a thought per- perspective, I would have to perform naked. And you would have a whole <laughs> lot of clothes, but you wouldn't have any music. So. Yeah, but it's... That's how I approach the situation too as an academic, right? Like I, I, I have, you know, the, uh, the theoretical background, the methodologies, the, uh, the overview of all the source material and, you know, I can help out <laughs> essentially. Right. Uh, that's, it's the same way. Like I, I can dress you in knowledge, the, the mythology and then, uh, uh, then that can, you know, enhance people's experience of the music or enhance your own experience of the music. Um, that's how I think academics especially should approach uh, their relationship to the public, right? Um, the time of like, you know, that stern academic authority, uh, that's over. And, and, and thankfully, because uh, <laughs> we didn't need that <laughs> in the first place. Um, we need cultural use. We need we need to regenerate, and as you say, heal. Um, you know that that's really important to do nowadays. I think the word healing is interesting because in the English language, I'm not sure if I'm correct, but uh, follow my line of thoughts and, and let me know what you think. Because healing in Norwegian. To be whole is to be hell. So mm-hmm. I'm in healing. It what it means is becoming whole, mm-hmm. to become full. I think so. That's mm-hmm. what it's about. You know, it's about maybe it's about becoming as close to our full potential as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He- healing's just become such a, a clinical medical word i think that's focused on you know healing a broken a broken bone or healing something that's that's wrong with you it even down to i think healing is is forgotten when it comes to mental health i think that's something that's overlooked way too much and people don't consider as healing and that's something that we need to do a bunch of work on as a as a species as a society um, but mm-hmm. outside of outside of that, you know, we need things like you say to make you whole. Whether it's to to go for walks in nature, which people neglect now, or be around animals, be around birds, or even just to sit in your own thoughts, in in silence or outside. Um, that's one of the things that that I sh- I've struggled with recently is that I've never really been on my own. And I'd been in, in a relationship from a young age up until, up until you know, fairly recently. And then I got thrown into a world of a kind of having to figure out how to be a 33-year-old functioning adult where you have to do things on your own. And, and it was surprising. Even just sitting and watching TV on my own felt weird and different and uncomfortable almost. And I think, again, that the, the healing aspect was to just just to do it and get used to it and go through the processes and, and have things around you that make you feel comfortable. Um, so it doesn't always have to be, you know, this, this medical thing, I think. No. I mean, 
for for me, sometimes if I'm really frustrated, well, I play Motorhead really loud. That's healing for me. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh-huh. it always <laughs> works. Everybody has their own thing that they they do that just kind of helps out. Yeah, sometimes I'm drumming and singing. That is also great, uh, but sometimes I'm listening to Motorhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Ace of Spades. <laughs> See the every new comment is popping up here in a little. You got window. it now. You got it now, Matthias. No, I don't have the full chat. I just see the first few words. Oh, okay. Message. Matthias is um, Matthias's healing is that he likes to listen to drum and bass. His own <laughs> drum and bass from the. <laughs> Matthias, one, Matthias said, told me once that he makes he, he made drum and bass in his was he early teens, late teens so now uh, yeah. I like to bring it up at every opportunity yeah, yeah, but there, there are rumours about your drum and bass man, even I have heard about it <laughs> oh we need to first of all we need drum and bass merch we need some t-shirts with Matthias like a Nordic style just performing um, and then mid gas block 2023 we need Mateus on the stage him <laughs> playing his drummer bass like ooh, I'll I okay here it is I'll be your bez so if for anybody who knows the Happy Mondays like they famously have just a guy that doesn't play any instrument well he has maracas I think but really does nothing for the band but his job is just to stand on stage and dance so I will be your bez. You do the drum and bass. And if I look, Dan, if you are going to do that in a coconut bikini, then I'm down. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I will be oh, there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Coconut coconut bikini. I'll be bez. I will we need like a, a more authentic version than the maracas though. Um but something simple because I'm not very good. Maybe like the, the, probably the triangle would be most fitting for me, but something that I could just, yeah, something I could just dance around with. You can have the yeah. the music playing. You could you could even just do what David Guetta does and just press the button and then fuck off and not even actually do anything. But you could pretend. You could have the headphones on, move your arms a little bit, I'll give the like- give the crowd a little bit of action. Yeah, yeah. oh grab yeah, grab one. <laughs> Obviously, grab one side of the headphones. <laughs> Oh, this sounds great. It's gonna be funny. I'm gonna mention it to Runa, see if we can get it booked for the for the late night show. Oh, of course, yeah. Viking drum and bass. There we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben, I, I, wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you about this. Was it was it you that put on a show um like late night after everything was finished? Because I, I never understood what happened in the in the guild hall. After the last act played on each day, there's always a huge line to go into the guild hall, and there's like some sort of after party that I was never invited to, and I never knew what it was. And then somebody said that maybe it was was it you and Gustav maybe playing some music uh, on the our main gig with Folke this year was uh, after Varbruna. Okay. Uh, in the guild hall, we had our 15th anniversary there. Oh, okay, okay, and, that's. Uh, um, That's what I yeah, that was great. And on the last day, it was Gustav and uh, yeah, with friends uh, Runa Hild and Kjell and stuff uh, mm. astral side. Mm. Mm. And it's always uh, it's great. I love playing the Guildhall. 
It's so good fun. Yeah. Oh, it. Oh, I, I remember. Is that they do, huh? I did. I didn't know what was happening. I uh-huh. somebody told me. I th- somebody actually told me it was a silent disco. So <laughs> that's how. That's what I heard. So I. I but <laughs> next year I'm there. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. Are we? We usually. Um, since the, I think it's year three of Midgar's Blood, we've had the, our main gig has been in the Guild Hall. And then uh, this year we had the one on the small stage in the shopping area there and the one at the Valhalla stage. Uh, but our main gig is usually in the, our main gig is usually in the Guild Hall. To say it that way, the, the gig we have a set list for. This year mm-hmm. we were not agreeing on the set list, but uh, at least we all had a set list. It didn't okay. seem the same, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had one, so uh, the I, other gigs we didn't plan. Yeah, I feel like you guys just do your own thing. Yeah, we do. You just, uh, but do you, do you prefer it that way? I mean, there there are, uh, yeah, I definitely do. But there are challenges to it as well, you know. Uh, folk has, it's been now, uh, you know, I've started folk in 27, so 15 years. And uh, we've had maybe five rehearsals. And, of course, not with a full lineup. Never. Uh, and this is great. I love it. I absolutely love it, but it is also challenges to it because, you know, on the new album, for example, it's very much song based, the new album, I would say. Have you, have you guys heard it? The, the new album? Yeah. Oh, I, I haven't. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. A little. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but it's I'm... very song based. I, I, I would say it's more song based than the first one. And this album mm. has been created as one album. I have I have read the lyrics though. Perfect. So, I will be, so you did ask me to read the lyrics, and I did do that today, but I didn't didn't get round to to popping on. I've had a a busy a busy few weeks. Yeah, yeah it doesn't doesn't matter. But uh, I'm very happy you read the lyrics because those are very important for me. Uh, mm-hmm. This one, yeah, you can on tell. The first one, there ain't no lyrics. You know, there is one sentence. I'm, I'm not calling the rune songs. I'm not calling that lyrics. Uh, on the first one, there is one line: "Odin, let thy wisdom come." Mm-hmm. No, that, that's the lyrics on the first album. Um, but uh, on the new one, there are uh, there's five songs with, or four songs, and uh, a reading with proper lyrics. And to me, this is, is very important. That is why uh, if you buy the CD or uh, you go on Bandcamp, you get them in uh, four languages. I sing and read in Norwegian, and they're also in English, German, and Spanish for people mm-hmm. to be able cool. to take part in the journey. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, do you have to pay for that doing on separately, I guess? Or do you translate yourself? Uh no, uh, Justin, a Welsh friend of mine living in Norway for many years, did the English translation. Uh, my girlfriend uh, did the German, and uh, oh, nice. a Mexican lady called Ama did the, the Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's uh, very cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for that, that I managed to get that through. There was a little bit of 
couple of arguments to make it happen, but <laughs> I, I didn't give I didn't give in. So um, I'm very happy for that. Um, but the challenge with not rehearsing is, of course, when it's very song based. Well, it doesn't always sound that good when you try to do the songs, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm thinking Folka has always had a slogan by the people, for the people, with the people. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking as long as we give it our best and, you know, okay, sometimes it's not completely in tune, but I think it's, I don't think it matters that much. No. But no. I, I would also like to be able to, you know, have a lineup that could do some of the songs. Uh, I mean, we do the songs, but in a safer way. We never have a safety line, you know. We, <laughs> we don't even have anything to tell us what tone to sing in. You know, we don't have a, you know, we don't have an instrument with tones. And you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's challenging. You're up there on stage, and you're you're with the audience, and the you know, and then whoa, where am I supposed to start this song? You know, we're <laughs> we're we're five people. We're all supposed to sing. It should be in the right note, you know. <laughs> and that's a challenge, of course, with not rehearsing. I guess it means that every show is going to be different as well. Yeah, yeah, but everyone's well, unique. When I started Folke, that, that was one of the things from the very beginning. We're never going to do the same show twice. And we haven't done that so far for 15 years. Oh, wonderful. So, and the two other shows that we did at Midgarsplot this year, we didn't have any plan. Mm-hmm. When I grabbed the microphone and started talking, talking to the audience, I let the rally. I didn't know what was going to be the first song. <laughs> mm. When I'm asking Martin, I did that, I remember, I think it was on the Valhalla stage. And I asked Martin uh, or Dane, um, I asked him, Martin, do you want to do something? And he was like, mm, yeah. And it was an honest thing, you know, the situation was honest. I asked Martin, do you want to do something? And he said, yeah, I can do something. And he did something, you know, but it wasn't planned. You know. Do you think? Do you think, in a way, that almost makes it closer to how it would traditionally have been? Because I imagine, you know, we know very little about music from the Viking Age, but I imagine they wouldn't have been set lists. It would be more of a a fluid kind of jamming type situation. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking quite possibly that is why you have this. Uh, we call it omkved. Basically, it's kind of a chorus, you know, in, in many other so-called traditional songs, uh, meaning you have a story going through the song, and then uh, every, every second and fourth line, for example, is repetitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking this is, first of all, it's to bring everybody in, you know, with the people. Everybody knows those two lines. It might be a different structure also, but let's stick with this example, yeah? Everybody knows those lines. It gives me, for example, or you, uh, you know, the main singer, a chance to draw your breath. It also gives you a chance to develop the story further because you have a little break. So you can come up with the next line. And you know that every there and there and there, the repetitive lines will come back. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking this, I don't know this, but I'm just thinking... Logically, that sounds like a good reason to have this. 
It's mm-hmm. bringing everybody in. It's including everybody. And it gives the, the main singer these chances I was mentioning. And so we maybe, actually... Sorry. Please. Sorry, we actually have uh, good research on, on this. Um, and it is quite similar to what you're, <laughs> what you're describing right there. Um, there were a couple of Harvard, Harvard dudes who went to uh, Serbia uh, back in the, was it the 50s or the 60s, something like that. And um, maybe it was even before. And re- uh, uh, recorded and analyzed the songs that uh, folk singers were singing there. And it is like, it is exactly that situation. You have a skeleton that's built up around like a, a chorus. Um, you have a general narrative that everybody more or less expects to unfold in the story. But um, so, so what the, the singers do, that they have like these stock scenes in their heads that they can then play out. And the best example we have from the Nordic world is the story of Sigurd the Dragon Slayer, right? Because if you go to the, the, the Ramsund stone in, in Sweden and you look at the carving that's from somewhere in the 11th century, the early 11th century, if I remember correctly, right? You have uh, Sigurd uh, killing Fafni. Uh, you have Sigurd uh, tasting the, uh, the blood from his heart as he's like roasting it over a fire. You have Regin who has who had his head cut off. And you can see like, it is Regin because there are like, like tools from a smithy lying around him. So it's the smith. And then you have the birds sitting in the tree. That's where he learns that, that Regin is going to betray him because he understands the speech of birds once he's been drinking from the, uh, the blood of the dragon. So, you know, I guess you've been drinking the blood of the dragon too, huh? <laughs> well, wasn't it? I thought it was eating the heart. Well, he, my mistake. Oh, different wants, in different sources. Reagan wants wants to eat the heart, um, so he asks Sigurd to uh, to roast it, and then Sigurd uh, touches the heart to see if it's warm enough, and that's that's when he burns his finger and puts it in his mouth, and then he tastes oh, the blood. Okay. That's okay. how he understands the, the speech of the birds. And then the last element that you have in the story is the the, the horse Grani uh, that has the um, uh, the gold on his back, and right, that is exactly the the, the chorus in uh, in the song "Grani per Gotlith of Haiti." I think I kind of said that in Faroese. Like uh, Grani uh, carried the gold of the uh, the gold of the uh, the heath, right? Um, so, uh, like all of these elements are present in the written stories that we have from a couple of centuries later, and then from folk songs that, that we have from several centuries later. And that's how, that's how you remember a song. And um, what we know from these Serbian singers is that they, uh, when they're singing folk songs, it, it, that they will use all of the known elements and then they will add their own little twist to things and, and be creative with it. And so it's, there's like a, there's like a sort of like a scaffolding that is the narrative, and then there's creative freedom uh, in and around that scaffolding. Yeah. And so, yeah, it makes perfect sense what you're saying, Benny. We, we have a, a song that everybody knows in Norway because you sing it in the schools and everything. It's called the uh, Krokevisa, the crow song. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, this song 
There is known more than a hundred dif different variations of the lyrics for it, mm. and on more than 70 different melodies. Wow, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's pretty cool. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool. The story is uh, somebody is going out to, uh, I think he's going out to get wood or something, and uh, he sees this enormously big crow, and the story unfolds. Um, they manage to kill the crow, and uh, and then they make the, the beak, they make into a boat, and uh, the eyes they use for windows and, and all this stuff. There is one variation that I've heard about that I would like to, to find, and it's the same story, but it's a man, not a crow. I would like to find this, but I haven't heard ah. it. <laughs> but it's interesting, this, I think. But I, I do think we're going to have to wrap this up. Mateus, you have to be out here shortly. So, Benny, please come back and we will talk just about all the music. Um, we'll get Bob to book you back in in a couple of months. Oh, that would be, would be great. But uh, we, we, I feel like we could sit here, especially if we had a couple of beers. I think we could sit here for fucking three, four hours and just discuss. Easily. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, maybe I can uh, throw in here that uh, I would very much, of course, appreciate it. This is this record. I've been releasing records or been playing on records now since 1994 three or four, I believe. So it's quite a few years. And this new album is by far uh, the biggest project I've ever done. I've been working hard on this for three years, basically. So mm -hmm. I would very much appreciate it if people check it out. Mm -hmm. where, where can people find it? Where can... It's on all this digital stuff, Bad Bandcamp, Spotify, YouTube, and this. Uh, Grimfrost.com has it available on CD. There you get the mm -hmm. booklet with the lyrics and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, is it? Am I sneaky if I'm throwing in a couple of commercial statements about it? No, I'm do, proud it. Of. do it. No, of course, do it. Very welcome to do that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm saying this because it gives a bigger understanding of it, I think. It's written on the record, what feels true to me. This I don't know if it's on Bandcamp. On Bandcamp, you also find the translations of the, of the lyrics and stuff. I hope you bother reading them so that you understand what it's about. Oh, do, yeah, it definitely has, do read them. They're, they're wonderful. Thank you. But uh, it says received and performed by, not written and performed by. Because ah. this is how it feels. You know, I, I, it feels like I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yes. I said yes many years ago. I didn't know what I said yes to, but I did say yes, and I stand for that. So I've mm -hmm. said bring it on, mm -hmm. you know. And... Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, the album is called Et Liv Utnenne, which means One Life Without End. So it's about the circle of life, and I hope that I hope that this can I hope it will bring people good. Mm. Oh, without a doubt, I'm sure it will. So <laughs> say the the band name again slowly for people, because it's for, for, certainly for the 
non-Norwegian speakers, they sometimes struggle and then we get messages in the in the group asking how to spell it and all sorts. So yeah, it's called Folke Borta for Norabinnen. You can see it on my on your t-shirt. I will move the we made a yeah. hundred hundred copies of this uh oh, nice. copies here. Wonderful. So, and then yeah, yeah, Kelly Cook, thank you. We will it yeah, means we'll, sorry. As we say, we'll we'll make sure we put it in with the the episode, um, link it in the description so people can find it. But if you if you can, don't just don't just stream it. Obviously, streaming is good and listening to it. But if you can spare the money to buy it, please buy it, and it'll help Benny out. I'm sure. Um, Definitely will. Yeah. So just if you, if you can spare, you know the the price of buying, even if it's on Bandcamp, I think you can buy a single track. Just if you can buy a single track, obviously buy the album if you can, but it really helps all the artists out, all the musicians we have on here. You know, just taking that extra little bit to to help, I'm sure they really appreciate it. Yeah, we do. But if your budget is tight, please stream it. You know, please. No, yeah, yeah, stream it and buy it. Benny, don't don't let them get away lightly. Stream it and buy it. Yeah, I appreciate it if you buy it, but you know, I've been broke. You know? Yeah, I've, I've, I've been uh, I've been wondering where the next meal is going to come from, so uh, mm. I know how it can be. You know, you're too, ni- you're too nice. Just tell them to buy it. Buy it. <laughs> no, obviously, only buy it if you can. Um, no. Yeah, Benny, thank you, thank you very much, um, Matthias. Where can people find you? You can always find me on Instagram and my website. Um, just put in my name, Matthias Norvig, and you'll you'll find me. And uh, there you go. There we go. Um, Benny, what about social media? Uh, I'm not sure how social it is, really, but. Uh, <laughs> well, you can we find can get more. into that next episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, can find, uh, you can find me under my name, Benny Broughton with a double A, uh, mm. and uh, also Folke. You can find it there. Uh, on Facebook, I recently I made this uh, Instagram thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm really sure I understand totally how it works, but people <laughs> have been telling me for years I needed to make one. So two weeks ago or something, I did it. Oh, nice! Hey, technological stuff, you know. <laughs> for a long time, I thought, well, hey, I have a cell phone, I have email, I have Facebook. How much do you expect me to spend my life online? You know. Well, I mean. <laughs> So, en- but, en- enjoy it or try to enjoy it can, can, can I tell you uh, about the name of course just one quick thing yeah of course Folke Borta for Noravin that's supposed to come from the first or the oldest uh, surviving reference to or part of the world a guy called a Greek guy called Hesiodos or uh, maybe you call him Hesiod maybe in English. Uh, he wrote, now I could see you go into your academic archives, Matthias. He wrote about the people from the North Winds 700 years before zero. So it's supposed mm-hmm. to be the oldest surviving literary reference to our part of the world. Of course, that might mean today's Germany. This we don't know. It was the people up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where uh, that's where the name comes comes from. The Hyperboreans. Yep. But I can yes. 
I cannot use the Hyperboreans, you know, because of political things yeah. that has been squatted. That, that, that is something, uh, yeah, that is something that uh, certain people have ruined for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking some of these things that have been attempted, uh, ruined, um, openly and willingly taken, taking back. But mm. I think this, uh, the Hyperboreans is, it's a little infected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we are going to have, we are going to have to wrap it up. Yeah, sorry for you my, are, no, no, you, you're coming back. You are definitely coming back and we're, we're doing this again. Um, yes. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating and positive review wherever you listen to the podcast. And then if you can support us on Patreon, it's just at Nordic Mythology Podcast. You get episodes earlier than anybody else on there now as well. So I think we're two, three weeks advanced. So this will go on Patreon two or three weeks before it goes out to the general public. So you get, if you if you listen to us and for some reason you can't get enough of listening to us and you want to listen to the next one before everyone else, please jump over to Patreon and help us keep growing and it helps us, you know, employ people to help work with the show, buy new equipment and yeah, just do cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe if we figure out this uh, chat thing before next time or some other time, you know, we could uh, involve the patrons uh, yeah. in okay. the talk. We'll do, we'll do, we'll do a Q&A next time. No. Yeah, I, I was trying to do it, but it's really difficult on my phone to, to mm. like be, be part of the chat. <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's tough on your phone. And then with you as well, I think when you're on your phone, it digitizes a lot as well. If mm. if we speak at the same time, it could, like just cuts you off. So no. get your internet back. <laughs> I will. Uh, Hopefully. I mean, you never know. <laughs> yeah. No, no you, you, you really don't know. All right, let's get out of here. Benny, yeah. thank, thank, thank you guys you. for having me, both Daniel, Mat- uh, Matthias, and all you patron people there. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Pat- yes, patron. you are. You are. Thank, um, you. thank you very much. Like I say, you're, you're welcome back. I feel like you're going to be a, a constant guest on the podcast, a recurring guest. I, I <laughs> hope so. I'm enjoying this very much. Yeah. It's a very interesting conversation. You no, you are. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you, everyone, for listening. See you later. (laughs)